Oh, it's time. <laughs> this is the Kingdom Project Podcast, and we're doing another drive-through study. I'm your host, Marcus Hall, and the purpose of this episode is to do a fast drive-through, over-through Bible study on a certain text that focuses on the context, the immediate context, the surrounding context, because context, context, context should be our anchor in reading and interpreting and understanding scripture. All right. I hope you guys are doing good. Um, This should be the end of the week. Uh, for you guys so we've had uh, the 4th of July it's probably been hot somebody probably got burned with a firecracker hopefully no fingers or eyes were lost so um, (laughs) um, you know maybe you guys stop praying the hedge of protection and see what happens when you listen to a guy that's got a podcast you get a finger blown off all right if you have your bible uh, grab it and open it up to Second Timothy. That's what we're going to look at, chapter 3. And the m- main focus on this is going to be near the very end in uh, verse 16, where it says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work we need to know what that means it sounds like it's pretty self-explanatory i believe it is but there's some stuff in there we need to address with that actual text but to be able to understand it even better we are going to look at the uh, surrounding context the immediate context because like i said Context, context, context should be the anchor in our ground in which we use when reading and interpreting the word. And um, so that's what we're going to do. So check it out. Check us out on Facebook. Don't forget to rate. Please leave a review. That would be so great. And um, we we will now get into this because first and foremost, let me say that um, this may be be a little fast or not <laughs> may not be as fast of a drive through that I want it to be but I think it's important to hit a couple of things and I'm grabbing my book here to look at something but I'm not so concerned about what you may think that scripture means or any other scripture for that matter nor am I concerned about what maybe I think that it means And here's what I mean by that. What I'm going for when I read the word is I want to know what the Holy Spirit meant when God breathed the words out and these scriptures were written. That's what I want to know. That's what I want to understand. My interpretation, your interpretation is going to be different. That's the problem with people, especially those who have a bad taste or a bad uh, um, opinion of church or Christians, I always hear the same thing. Put 10 people in a room, give them a scripture, you're going to have different 10 different meanings to it. 
Well, that's not the interpretation. That's not what the, the Scripture is meant for. The Holy Spirit will illuminate Scripture to us, and usually when He illuminates, He is enlightening our heart and our minds to see what the text means, but it shouldn't be what it means, um, what we think it means to us. Um, that that revelation that comes to us is not really the revelation, <laughs> and that's the problem with our words. We use them different all the time for different meaning meanings. What you probably are getting illuminated to you or revealed to you is probably the application. And that's why there can be 10 different understandings of one passage between 10 different people. So we're seeing what's applicable, what's applicable to our life in that scripture for our understanding in that moment in our lives. And we all have verses. We all have scriptures that we hold on to. And... Through throughout the months, throughout the seasons, if you will, throughout the years of our lives, that verse, those certain scriptures that we hold on to, that may be our anchors, um, that we that we have memorized and that we um, cling on to, right? Um, they may have different meanings in different uh, times of our lives. What is that? You know, does the interpretation change? No, but the the application certainly does. So as long as the application or what's being illuminated uh, is not uh, going against uh, the whole of the Bible, uh, it does not contradict it, then that's good. That's okay. That's the individual um, individuality, if you will, of Scripture that's taking place in our lives that's personal that application may not have anything whatsoever to do with anybody else or that they even care um, even care to uh, have that uh, applied to their life. And that all of that explanation may be a stretch for some people, but I believe there needs to be an understanding on illumination, on revelation, and um, application. They're all different, and the main thing is to always just know... The actual interpretation first, the original intended purpose of why the the particular text, the scripture was written in the first place. It had a reason. God breathed it out and there is an interpretation for it. Um, and it's usually one. So that's what we're going to do. So second, uh, second Timothy chapter three. And it starts off with the word but. So um, when when that happens, that's usually um, saying it's switching. It's contrasting. Um, it's making a contrast from whatever was said right before it. So previously. So at the end of chapter 2, um, at verse 22, we have... Um, so flee youthful passions, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. And then it goes on a little bit more, but we'll see then how what this but does at the beginning of chapter 3, because he says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, 
For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. So that's what's being contrasted. There's a contrast that's going on uh, of uh, the righteousness of faith and love and peace, right? Um, A pure heart with that of false teachers. And again and again, throughout the epistles um, and, and throughout the whole New Testament, we hear about false teachers and false prophets and wolves, right? Wolves um, and sheep with among the sheep. So, um, not not just false teachers here, but I would say all those that are descendants of Adam and have not be have not been born again. But how do I know this is false teachers? Because it says in verse five, having the appearance of godliness okay so first off we need to address the last days the last days of what um well (laughs) i believe it was the last days of the old covenant the last days of judaism but what's that even though that's past and now we we are um, not in that era anymore or in that age is there applicability yeah um there, that was these these people still exist today. Why? Because sin still exists. So, um, sin and uh, desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, you know, and false teachings and uh, teachers and prophets and all that still exists. So it's still applicable that these things are around. So, um, even though uh, there could be a twofold if you will, on last days. I mean, Acts 2 says, this is the last days, um, is what Peter stands up and proclaims um, while he's um, um, repeating the uh, Joel. So it's the last days of the Old Covenant, old days of, or last days of Jerusalem, last days of Judaism, and the whole covenantal and temple sacrifice system but also it could just mean the last days like we've been in the last days ever since then that some people will say that i used to think that as well we've been in the last days for two thousand years um those are a lot of last days though so i'll just leave it at that so we're just going to move on and um like i said it's a contrast of of um, those who are pure of heart and those who aren't. And it does mean fall, um, the teachers, first and foremost, because um, he gives a list of vices, but then he says appearance of godliness. So these would have been the uh, opponents of Paul and Timothy that they were up against here, the super apostles, the um, Judaizers, those who uh, maybe the Gnostics and things like that, um, that was going on. Um, they had the appearance of godliness, but they did not have its real essence. And when he says says that, he, um, he says, uh, but, but denying its power. 
power means the the actual present effective working of God in and through believers' lives. The Holy Spirit, you know, um, there would be an effective change going on. Um, this would include, you know, holiness, reverence, um, faith and love, devotion to God, things like that. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that's the power that enables um, uh, perseverance through trials, through circumstances, through suffering, and, and Jesus is our strength, and also gives us um, a faithful defense of the gospel, which is actually talked about at the beginning um, of of this letter to Timothy in in chapter one. So, um, th- these are people who claim to know God, but their lives are are devoid of the work of the Spirit, um, and um, th- th- those are the things, like I said, that would be um, evident in their lives along with the things coming out of their mouths and because it's doctrine as well okay so then it goes on um, to say avoid such people from among uh, okay so we'll just stop there avoid such people wow Um, very hard (laughs) this is a hard one um, hard one for me as well. Um, if if you have gone through this letter in, in other places in in throughout the the New Testament as well, right? Um, it, it seems you know this avoid such people is actually a command all right it's a com- the only command that's in scripture uh, the text 1 through 9 and it means to it, it involves excommunication okay so and it seems like contradictions of things that you we read throughout the rest of the new new testament and especially in right after what we did uh, previously in chapter 2 because in chapter 2 uh 20 um uh, 20, yeah, well, 23, 24, and well, 20, 26, 5 and 6. <laughs> I'm going fast here. So, um, it says at 24, it said, and the Lord, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. And, uh, then it says God may perhaps grant grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. I'm not even going to open that that whole can of worms on this one, but um, so um, it seems like a contradiction, is it? Uh, no, it's an exhortation. It's a command, and um, it the the point w- would be. Um, uh, in chapter two, there that I just read, um, to s- seek the repentance of the from those people that because it says um, endure that evil, correct the your opponents with gentleness. Um, so it's a loving kindness, it's steadfast, and um, there is mercy in there. But here in this, there are going to be some who will not repent. And they um, 
they are going to continually reject um, the correction and um, still be hostile and be an opponent and they will will deny this. And so, I, you know, I don't know how far you should call that. I think that would be the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But there are clearly some people that are not going to accept whatever is being placed before them and they're not going to change their behavior. They're not going to going to change their their doctrine or their teaching or the way they believe or even the way they just live. They could be in sin and not being transformed and renewed in the mind. And Paul here says to avoid such people, which means to excommunicate them. It states clearly that there will come a time then when those people should and must be excluded from fellowship. It means to break fellowship with them. That's a very hard take on, uh, or very hard for us to pick that up and carry that in our lives when it comes, comes to something like that, because, um, um, it's love, 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 uh, right? The law of love. And that's true. Um, and the covenant of grace, the new covenant that we're in operates under the law of love, love as, as Jesus has loved us. But let's pause and take a side note there that Jesus not only did he was was he loving and showed mercy but he was harsh and he was harsh to his opponents and those who were critical of him and what he was uh claiming to be and what he was doing and he called people whitewashed tombs he called them hypocrites he called them um a brood of vipers and children of Satan and a bunch of things. But at the same time, kept saying, like, go and understand what this means. I desire mercy instead of sacrifice. He wanted them to actually have a heart of mercy in the external things that they were doing because it poured out of from within inside of them and from their hearts instead of the sacrificial system that had been placed uh, in within the Mosaic Covenant. And that's not what he desired. Um, it's never what God desired. So um, what? even though he is saying these things, you have this mercy that's in there because in Matthew 22, Matthew 23, um, he pronounces these seven woes over um, the Jews, over Jerusalem, but at the same time says, you know, I wish I could just gather you under my wings like a mother hen and her and her little baby chicks, you know, but no, you're, you're hard hearted and you're stubborn and you're not willing to accept the truth and the mercy and the grace that is being extended to you. And what happened? They killed him and Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. So that is something that has to take place at some time. If somebody is not turning and repenting and actually sincerely repenting and trying to change their ways and turn their back on sin and a transformation and renewal 
is not evident in their life or they're holding on to false doctrines, false, you know, teachings um, and things like that, um, that you must avoid such people. Okay, that's my my rant there. And so he goes on to talk about women burdened with sins and then these these two two men that opposed Moses and um, a quick note on that is that um, the those two those two men in in verse eight um, they're actually noted in extra biblical Jewish writings. Um, they were they would have been the Egyptian magicians who opposed Moses um, in Exodus, and uh, so th- they he. Paul is using them as symbols of opposition uh, to the truth of God. Uh, so w- even though we don't have their names in the Old Testament, they would have been familiar with with Timothy and the other Jews. So that's that that would have been a way to identify the the uh, opponents or enemies of of the gospel. So um and it talks about them being corrupt and corrupted in their mind. And so again, it's another reference of false teaching um, in in terms of a deficient way of thinking or a deficient um, uh, way of of knowing. It's a void of renewal and transformation that takes place there. Um, and so uh, he, yeah, he says these. The men opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all as was that of the two men that opposed Moses. So disqualified regarding the faith, all right, is that it doesn't matter what their claims are. These people do not have saving faith. They are false. They oppose the gospel um, in their in the way they live their lives and um, their teachings, and that's what that's going going for there. And in, in verses one through nine, so we get to ten that builds up to the main part of scripture being breathed out by God, and this is an exhortation to Timothy that contrasts. Um, it's to Timothy in contrast of the false teachers. So a lot of contrast happens a lot through Paul's writings. And um, it's just a way that that they wrote back then. So because he says, you, however, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which which uh, persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Okay, so, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it 
and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And we'll stop right there. Let me get my breath. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so. And that's the strong contrast that's going on is that Timothy is being um, addressed on how to resist his opponents and he and how to remain faithful to the gospel. So um, it, it's you, however, right? The false teachers and those who are living in sin and rejecting, they live and teach a certain way, but Paul is saying there's a whole different model for you, Timothy, and that model has been me. So, which brings us to another point that uh, Paul is a model for faithful living in, in Christ and for ministry. And so I know that we always hear that Jesus was our model and he is our model. So I'm not saying that he's not. Um, the emphasis usually on that, though, is how to always um, preach, preach the gospel and then demonstrate with power, with signs and wonders. Well, Paul did that, too, but not all the time. And it, no matter if people say throughout the whole book of Acts, the gospel is preached and then signs and wonders are demonstrated. Um, that's not always the case. Just go through and read it. Sometimes it's just the gospel preached and that's it. And people um, repent and come come to faith in Christ. So, But Paul is our model and we do have... Um, very two-thirds of the new testament is from paul so there's a lot to learn from him and um maybe that's where i get more of my model from on defending the faith and uh being steadfast and calling out false doctrines and things like that um and opposing the the works and of of deceit that goes on um, from extra biblical things or so-called revelations um, in the charismatic camp not everywhere but a lot of places so <laughs> Paul is a model uh, just as Jesus is a model as well they're all a model the whole council of God the whole uh, scriptures should the whole of it should be a model for us and um that that's that's why i have the emphasis on hey if you want to know how to be kingdom minded then dedicate yourself to the apostles teachings so um he talks about his suffering the persecution the places that he has visited on his missionary journey and things like that and um, these were a lot of physical sufferings and persecution that happened to him. Um, while that's not really the standard in Western culture, uh, we still have things that we suffer and go through. And there is still applicability in that as well. 
And Paul is uh, a model for that and to always rejoice and give thanks and to always be content in the Lord because through all through all you know, things, he is our strength. Okay, so um, suffering is an element in in our in our lives, but God uh, through the Holy Spirit is our uh, comforter and our provider and he gets us through okay now he says that the false teachers will progress from bad to worse and those doing the deceiving are themselves deceived and obviously that is true because uh they're they're preaching false things so and paul talks about what timothy has learned and from his childhood, which would have been from his, his mother and his grandmother that you can read about in chapter one. And, um, then he, he, uh, he, he mentions the sacred writings and that were able to make you wise for salvation. And so that would have been that the old Testament and that scripture, that, that, that we have not just the old Testament, but the whole of it leads to the knowledge of the truth. And it does have the power to, to bring us to faith. And that again is another contrast to false teaching, um, which is throughout the letter saying leads only to useless, uh, useless, uh, disputes and quarrels and divisions and ungodliness. So now that brings us to verse 16 and 17, that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teach, teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This would would have referred to Timothy um, would have been this would have been referencing the Old Testament to Timothy. Um, and and some actually some of the New Testament uh, writings because they they um, had already been been some around circulating at this time considered as scripture. And so for us, it's all of it. And here he says it's all breathed out by God. And this is the Greek word, uh, hope I get this right, theonostas, theonosteus, theonosteus. And that word does not occur in any other Greek text in the Bible or any other Greek work at all. Um, it some, some say that Paul made up this word. Um, if that were the case, then the Holy Spirit gave him that word because he's saying that it's all, uh, it comes from two words from God and breathed. So, uh, <laughs> uh, God breathed. So it's breathed out by God. They on us, the honest And, uh, what, why is this? This is the main point of this Bible study. And I'm seeing now by the time this is not a drive through here. Um, it's not a fast one, but it's a good one. And here's where 
the great debate and and confusion comes today that this stresses the divine origin and the authoritative uh, the authority of scripture itself paul is not pointing to any human people at all he's not pointing uh to the, uh, and what i mean by that is the authors he's not pointing to them um, of scripture as just inspired people, but he is saying that these writings themselves, the actual scripture, um, are the words that are spoken and actually breathed out by God. And the opponents, the false teachers and those who were opposing, they stressed certain aspects or portions of scripture, um, that um, they stress that certain aspects or portions of of scripture um, wasn't or only only aspects of it only portions of it were of God and others were of men and but Paul is stressing that there is an authoritativeness to all of scripture that the divine origin of it is the reason for its power to convert and renew and transform and because of that then all of it all of it is profitable in um, a range of ways and it leads to righteousness so people today and like myself i've said it just last week god still speaks today but on what on what level on what terms is he speaking is it um, when somebody that's big and huge says, God says this, and now it's on the level of breathed out by God and has authoritative rule over our lives. If so, then that means it's scripture, but scripture um, is closed. So um, there's a term called sola scriptura, which means the scripture is sufficient it's enough. It was breathed out by God. It is his words and we have it in its complete form. And that's what we're to live by and go by instead of those who say that there is more, that God is writing a new Bible today or that um, you know they have received a new revelatory teaching or new insight that God has withheld information for two millennia, and now he is just now pouring that out on the new breed. These are ways in, in that people describe these things. Um, and, I, you know, I'd want to say the fringes of evangelicalism that is mixed in with charismatic uh, uh, people, but it's not it's very it's very commonplace and it's very popular there's always new teachings there's always new revelation quote with quote air quotes there that is being given out and people are always always jumping on the new word the new teaching the new book or curriculum or whatever and paul is saying that the scriptures that we have is enough that it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for the training in righteousness that the, the, the man of God may be complete. We don't need anything else. Um, 
the that would be uh, the purpose of scripture for the believer is the the man of God, right? That this is a old a phrase from uh, Old Testament bra- background of this phrase um, it is that that Paul is really speaking to Timothy here as uh, as the one he he is brought up to be the leader over the church but it applies to all of us and that we are all uh, men and women of God and that scripture is enough it is sufficient so what do you do that's why we are told in other places to weigh what is said to test every spirit and hold on to what is good Yes, God speaks, but it's more on the individual basis of being directed and making decisions and gaining wisdom from the scriptures and to know how to live these godly lives, these a life of holiness and righteousness that he helps and directs us and makes decisions when we petition and pray. And that's how he speaks most of the time to me. And he's not given me new, new things, new teachings or new revelatory uh, things or downloads from heaven or from the throne room um, to teach to the masses or write a book about. That's what I'm getting at is that if you don't find it in the scripture, then don't don't avoid such people this is what i yeah avoid them <laughs> avoid them at all costs if they're saying jesus has held out um or god has held out for this long and he's now given us this these new keys he's now given us new instruction he's now laying out new plans for the the end time army or whatever like just don't pay attention to that say no <laughs> If it's not to be found in Scripture, leave it alone. Uh, and if somebody around you is claiming to have that, then test it and correct them. And if they reject that, continue to do that. Um, just like it says in chapter 2, um, patiently endure that um, that evil um, and do it with gentle with gentleness. Until the time comes when you know that it's not going to happen and then excommunicate them and avoid such people. Why? Because the Theon Osteus, the breathed out and actual words of God we have in 66 books of the Bible. Dedicate yourself to the teachings of the disciples. Know your word know it uh, know it and live it and let it renew your mind and transform your life so it's evident to those around you and the way you live and the way you walk and the way you carry yourself and when you hear something that's a little off because it's usually very subtle you'll know that it's not on par here um and it's the things that paul is talking to timothy about at the beginning of chapter three all right there you guys go there's the not so fast drive-through bible study on second timothy three 
I hope that encouraged you and edified you and that you learned something. Um, any questions, discussions, take it to Facebook or send me an email at the Kingdom Project Podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, be a mustard seed, be leaven. Thank you for listening.